Welcome to The Breakdown with INFB. We're your hosts, Garrett Kelly and Heidi Gant. On today's episode, we've got Earth Day on the brain. Although it's globally celebrated on April 22nd, every day is Earth Day for farmers. As INFB President Randy Crone has said before, we've been protecting the land for generations. Sustainability and efficiency go hand in hand in agriculture. So with that in mind, we've invited entrepreneur, author, and speaker, Sarah Beth Aubrey, to join us on the podcast today to talk about some of those climate and conversation topics. As a recognized leader in building coalitions and customer engagement strategies in agriculture and food systems, Sarah Beth is the CEO and founder of Elevate Ag LLC, one of the only women-founded and owned global agricultural consultancies. So welcome, Sarah Beth. Thanks for joining us. Hello there to both of you. Thank you for having me on. And you're right. Every day is Earth Day for us as as growers, and it's great to be able to talk about that topic with you today. Awesome. Love it. Let's get started at the beginning. So you've got a lot of accomplishments uh, in your career so far, and we'll cover some of those in a minute. But what made you choose a career in the ag industry? Was it you went to school for it? You grew up on a farm? What what about ag uh, spoke to you? Yeah, all, definitely all the above. I grew up on a farm in central Illinois, grain and livestock farm, uh, multiple generations still farming there. And, and I, I think I always knew I was going to be in agriculture. It, was, it wasn't really a choice. It was a lifestyle. It was part of my identity. I went to University of Illinois, majored in ag communications. I thought I was going to be a farm broadcaster. When I went to college, that's what I was going to do. And then I saw those early hours and given the noon markets just just kind of went off my radar. But I, I stayed in the communication space and, and enjoy uh, being able to do that. And then I went to Purdue and got my master's in communications as well. So always plan to be an advocate for agriculture. We get some of your uh, farm broadcasting chops here on the podcast today. <laughs> that's right. Fun to do that. Um, so you founded a grant writing firm several years ago. So Prosperity Ag and Energy resources. So how did that start and how did that impact farmers and small agribusinesses that you worked with? So the grant writing business started by pure accident. Um, I was doing some strategic consulting for a group and some coalitions, as you mentioned in my bio, and some steering committees that were doing projects. And literally one of the people said, hey, there's some grant funding for this. You're a writer, Sarah. Would you just write a grant for this? I said yes, because that's what you do. When a client asks for help, you say yes. And we didn't win the grant. And I was really, really upset about it. So I started just kind of inquiring more about grants, calling the USDA, the agencies. I I wanted to understand what I did wrong. And within a year, I'd written 100. Um, And we started to, to have some success. So actually, I sold that business in 2015. It still goes on today. So if farmers are looking for assistance with ag grants, they can still contact Prosperity and get some assistance. I don't uh, work with them anymore. We, um, you know, we we finished that part of the relationship, but I certainly refer to them. And we impacted businesses by writing um, nearly a thousand ag and energy grants for energy efficiency and renewable energy for farms. It's incredible. Um, so I guess Heidi and I first heard uh, about you through interactions with uh, INFB and in climate. So can you talk a little bit about that initiative and how that started? Yeah, I would love to, Garrett. Thank you. So In Climate was something that Farm Bureau was one of our founders and is a member. So for all the farmers listening, this is your organization as well. We started this back in 2021, a collaboration with multiple ag and and ag energy groups, those groups that supply energy to the ag supply chain, really because we began to recognize that this space was emerging for us far faster 
than we had been keeping up with before. But I, clearly, your leaders recognized we need more information. We need to be informed. We've got to understand how we make decisions in this space for our growers and for our industry as a whole. So we built this network, and we're continuing to grow that network throughout the state, and it's expanding throughout the Midwest now as well. And it's a member organization based on members, again, companies and trade groups in the agriculture supply chain. And we have several different um, objectives. I'll just outline those real quick, four main ones, really. Uh, education is our top objective, making sure that those of us that are leaders and suppliers to the farm gate are better equipped to understand what's emerging in the climate space. We also are here to collect data and really start to educate ourselves about things. We're not doing hard data, but we're doing more opinion-driven data, uh, information that we can use based upon what our customers know or want us to know or learn for them. And then we're also really working for um, collaboration. Who are our partners in this space? How do we advocate correctly together and get ourselves up to speed to operate where we need to? What are some of those soft data points that you know, farmers or, or folks around the state want to learn about? Yeah, I think one of the big ones where if you would just take the issue of carbon, for example, that's not everything in the climate space or sustainability as we well know, but it is one that's on the mind for growers a lot. Now it's spring, we're getting into the spring season. And so we started our first survey back in 21. We got about 165 farmers in the state were interviewed for this survey. And that's one of the big data points. How are their opinions changing on whether or not they want to participate in carbon markets, voluntary carbon markets? And are they participating? And also, how is that going? Are they finding that to be a value or, or not? So those are some things that we're looking to begin to learn more about and see how they change. And that's interesting that you um, talk about one of those points is bringing people together. And it sounds like you bring a lot of people together who normally wouldn't ever meet for any reason before. So how have you been able to do that and why have, have you done that? I'll start with the why. The reason we're trying to bring people together in this particular topic, broadly around top the topic of climate, we, we named the group In Climate and we got a little pushback for that because some people are uncomfortable with that phrasing today. And we recognize that some farmers may feel that that's politicized in a direction they may not agree with. So we respect and truly understand that. But we felt like the climate encompasses everything. We all exist in the climate. So it really does work as a word that defines what we're trying to do. Certainly sustainability, the environment, how we manage our operations within that space are under that. So we brought people together. The why is we wanted to make sure we recognized um, other viewpoints that we may or may not agree with but could impact our businesses. We did not want to be just another trade group. There are many valuable, viable trade groups. So in order for us to be different and to offer that value, you know, we had to really say let's bring in groups, companies, um, different kinds of coalitions that we wouldn't necessarily interact with and find out what they're doing in the space. And we also want to know what do they expect from agriculture? And that helps us to understand, can we or should we even deliver on those things? Are they right for us? And so that's really the why and, and why we, you know, why we did that, how we've done it. I'll tell you being in some, in, in, in a topic, in an area that's new and perhaps controversial at times does draw people to you. So we didn't have to work too hard because of 
the fact that this is an interesting topic right now. And you can't really go to an agricultural-related meeting without climate coming up. Two years ago, I don't think that was the case. So that has been one thing. And then the other is just getting those stakeholders, making sure that we're getting them in the room, and that naturally fosters the conversation. Maybe you can expand on that here. So as you've traveled around, what are you hearing from farmers and those further down the stream? Maybe how's that conversation changed in the last two years, either through your survey or or meetings you put on or or groups you meet with? Thank you for asking that. It's, It's changed rapidly. So when we started in climate a couple of years ago now, it's already been almost two years, we started with a words with friends game, if you will. We had 50 words related to climate that we put out at some of our meetings, and we asked individuals there, farmers as well as industry people, to put them in piles. What I would use, I would use this phrase, I would definitely not use this phrase, or I have no idea what this phrase means. At that time, the I have no idea stack was the largest. Now, some of those same words, phrases that people weren't quite sure. For example, let's take the word net zero, that phrase. There's a lot of definitions that one could apply, but not everybody had that in their vernacular a year ago, Mm -hmm. two years ago. Now, I'm hearing growers use this this phrase, whether they like it or not. They're just saying we're starting to understand what this means or what the expectation is from political, cultural, investors, and others. So we're just really beginning to see, I don't know, almost our language is shifting a little bit. We're adding some new words, and we're trying to navigate the definitions of those. So can farmers be part of the climate solution? And if so, what, what part? Okay, that is a big, huge question. And it's, it's a really good question. My perspective, and I believe the perspective of in-climate members like the Indiana Farm Bureau, is that yes, agriculture plays a significant role in the solution. First of all, as you mentioned at the beginning, quoting you know President Crone, we recognize that environmentalism is part of our way of life. It is part of how we sustain both the business, the lifestyle, as well as just the health. So we understand uniquely things like soil health. Agriculture is very equipped to be part of the solution because that's part of how we operate. So we really, though, we need to do things like we're doing today. We've got to advocate. We must be willing to share the solutions that we're doing. We must be willing to talk about those more. We must be willing to then also continue to emerge and evolve as new technologies come about that we can take advantage of. We should do that, you know, to the extent that it makes sense for our business and our economics, you know, respecting those things. So we have a tremendous way to be the solution because we have a lot less to change than many other industries. That's a great point. So when you think about it, farmers on on one hand are already doing a lot as part of, you know, the operation, part of their success to take care of the environment. Uh, But there's also a lot of new technology, as you mentioned, new terms, new things to learn. So if someone is wanting to maybe take on some more on-farm practices or or learn more about how they can positively impact the environment, what are some resources you would point to? Where can they go to learn some of this information uh, with, you know, in climate and other other sources? Okay, that's a really good question, too. And again, that's changing. So within climate, one of our goals is that we begin to build what I would call almost a think tank. And that's something that's growing for us as we gain more funding and members. You know, we're still a new group. 
we are trying to build that repository of really good information that people can take advantage of, whether that's studies, whether that's science, it could just be you know reports, news, that kind of stuff. So that's one way. But we have so many, here's the thing, we have solid resources that we're used to using that are still really effective in this space. Your groups like Purdue Extension, your organizations like the NRCS with the conservation practices and some funding that goes along with that. Their Climate Smart Agriculture grants were have been announced, a couple of rounds of those from the USDA. A lot of the organizations are participating in those and then they'll be continuing to add programs and practices, most of which are designed to engage and involve farmers in implementing a project that's related to sustainability. So to be quite honest about everywhere we look, we can find ways to get educated on this and participate and probably even find some funding to help us do that. What are some of the most popular projects right now, as far as that goes, that get, get that funding? I think what I'm seeing in, you know, I'm not the, the science um, agronomist person, so I think that might be a better question for others, but I can tell you this. We're seeing a lot within that space. So things like the cover crops, things like different tillage practices, and many growers are already doing a lot in that area. And the carbon market programs that are out there, a lot, there's there's more companies doing carbon markets than you and I have um, you know, fingers to count them on right now. So those are some of the ones I see that are, that are easy uh, to, to find and to begin to investigate to see if they fit for a farmer's business. So focusing a little bit more on you and what you do, so what haven't you accomplished yet in your career working, working with farmers and agribusinesses that maybe you'd like to accomplish in, in the coming future? I, I well... I would say that I'm proud to work with farmers. I mean, I've spent my entire career in the ag business, whether it's been with the large uh, corporate companies that serve growers to the trade group level to growers. One of the things I love most about that is working with peer groups. I've I've built and led a number of farmer peer groups over the years, and that's probably one of the most rewarding aspects of what I do, and I continue to do that. Um, So that's probably something that we've done that, but I'm still still growing those and, and still love to do that. You know, with the climate space, it's changing. I'll be honest with both of you. I didn't wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to start a climate group. I cannot wait to get into climate. This is my new life plan. That did not happen to me. It came, but it's come to our door, right? And having been a consultant effectively for, this is my 19th year in business, I think that's what we owe it to our producers. Is industry professionals, we must go where the industry needs us to lead. This is that, this space is at this time, right? This is the place where we're going to have to figure out what we do, how we are the solution, like you asked, Garrett, and what we do next. So I think for me, it's really making sure that we're on top of where we need to go and how we help our producers get there. Because this isn't their daily job, right? They are farming. And we are here to provide resources to them, to help them do that effectively, to meet the needs that the world has. I see farmers as entrepreneurs a lot, and, and of course, I would view you that same way, Sarah Beth. So maybe uh, take a look at the other side. Has there been maybe something that hasn't worked out that was a great learning experience for you and, and kind of how'd that work out for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, those are too numerous to mention as well. So you don't spend 19 years in business for yourself and do it perfect every day. So I've had my share of, of projects that I don't know if they flopped or they just sometimes I tend to be not, not right now. You mentioned entrepreneurs and growers are this way too. You, we see the future sometimes before we see the path to get there. 
So I think that has definitely been my biggest learning is that sometimes an idea I have or a need that I have, it's not ready to be adopted by everybody else. And so I've had a few of those things for sure. But usually that means I'm putting my toe in the right water. I just need to figure out how to bring others, you know, to that. So I think that's probably the biggest learning I've had. The grant business, honestly, when you guys mentioned that earlier, was one of my biggest learnings. And it was exactly that. Um, like a lot of farmers, you know, if you, you first try and don't succeed, you just realized you just don't know how to do it, but you can figure it out. So that grant business where I did those, that first grant and didn't win, um, that was one of my things I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. I just need to figure it out. That's great. Um, so we end all of our podcasts by asking our guests to break down um, something in your industry, highlighting something that's coming up that you want people to look out for. What's on the horizon for you? Thank you for asking. So something specific to growers, and I want to invite all farmers listening to this event, as well as industry folks as well. Um, and the Indiana Farm Bureau, again, is a member of In Climate. So we have our second annual Agriculture as the Solution Climate Summit. So it will be June 26th and 27th. On the 27th, that's the main summit day. It's going to be at the Hendricks um, Fairgrounds, Hendricks County Convention Center out there. So out by Danville, Indiana. Uh, so a pretty easy drive for most of us in the state. So that's our second annual event. This is geared towards those of us in production ag or in the service of production ag, so in the ag and energy supply change. So we'll have speakers on conservation topics, sustainability, and then we'll push the envelope for you too. So if you wanna have you know, a little bit of your brows raised, and be a little maybe concerned when you leave. This is the right event for you. We're not just going to talk production practices. Again, a lot of great resources for that already out there. We don't need to redo that. We are going to talk about things like ESG and what that means. Uh, we're going to talk about green finance. We're going to have something really special this year. And this is the first place I've mentioned it. We're going to have a blind consumer panel where consumers are recruited, uh, not by me, by a third-party company, and then they will be asked climate-related questions around production, their views on climate as it relates to production agriculture, and they will be giving those views to the audience. Uh, we won't know them, they won't know us, and I won't even interview them. We're going to use someone who just recruits, and these will be you know, consumers from Indiana with zero ag background. So that's going to be one of our highlights. Another highlight is the evening before, on June 26th, we're starting something new. We're going to call it the Women in Ag Sustainability. It's going to be a, a new uh, special dinner event. We're finding that a lot of companies are employing women into that role, whether they are women that are younger and they have a sustainability degree or, a, or an ag or conservation degree, or women that are more mid-career, maybe have been in things like you have Heidi Marketing, and they're getting asked to take on that leadership. But we're finding it a space that's a little underserved from an education and networking standpoint. So we're going to try a function for that. So yeah, June 26th, 27th, uh, come to the Agassiz Solution Climate Summit. And where can people go for that information? Yes, absolutely. In climateconversations.com. Thank you so much, Sarah Beth. This has been a great conversation. I'm sure our members will be very interested in it. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure is mine. Thank you. If you enjoyed our conversation today with Sarah Beth, make sure to subscribe to The Breakdown with INFB and even rate and review us to let us know how we're doing. For more information, visit infb.org slash podcast. Join us next month as we celebrate the month of May and the Indy 500, where winners drink milk. 
We'll have a special guest from American Dairy Association, Indiana, and two Indiana dairy farmers. <laughs>